This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. With Capella University's FlexPath format, you can set your own deadlines, learn at your pace, and access most coursework from anywhere at any time. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. When Sweet Tarts dared to combine sweet and tart, they thought, why stop there? Why not create other exciting and unexpected combinations like rainbows and ropes or fruity and gummy or chewy and more chewy? That's why they created fun treats like Sweet Tarts Twisted Rainbow Ropes, Gummies Fruity Splits, and Chewy Fusions. When you dare to combine, it's sure to blow your mind. Sweet Tarts. Dare to combine. Visit SweetTartsCandy.com to shop now. Hello, and welcome to the Olive Magazine podcast. I'm Janine, Olive's Food Director, and I'll be your host for this episode. Later on in the podcast, I'll be learning the secrets of cooking great Ghanaian food with chef and author Zoe Ajonia. But first up, digital intern Amanda meets Chelsea from Blondie's Kitchen and finds out why milk and cookies aren't just for kids. Selfridges Food Hall with the lovely duo that is Blondie's Kitchen, um, Chelsea and Christelle. Christelle's actually had to run off for now because they've actually sold out again and she's had to go and frantically make some more cookies. Um, so we're just here with Chelsea. Um, lovely to have you on the show, Chelsea. Oh, thanks. Lovely to be here. So I just want to start by talking about kind of how you know each other, like how you got to meet and how you kind of came up with the concept, really. Okay, well... Um, me and Christelle actually weren't friends. I'm actually a bit older than Christelle. And we both have a mutual friend, which is actually one of Christelle's really good family friends. So when I used to, gr- when I was growing up, yeah. I always knew of Christelle through oh. my friend, but we weren't actually friends. We just sort of said, hello, how are you? Whenever we nice. saw each other. Yeah. We're from quite a small community in North London. So everyone knows everything about everyone's yeah. lives and I found out that Christelle was going to Cordon Bleu to get oh, yeah. trained yeah, and lovely. she was starting there just before I was starting to train um, as a chef at Leith so I said oh what made you choose Cordon Bleu and I'd see all her pictures going on Facebook nice. and I'd be like wow how did you make that I can't ever see myself getting to a point where I'm going to be able to be that good yeah. in the kitchen <laughs> and she sort of guided me a bit along yeah. the way and said don't worry you'll be fine And then Christelle went to go on and work in restaurants, whereas I won um, 
an internship at BBC Good Food. Oh, yeah. To become Amazing. a cookery yes. assistant. Perfect. Um, so that was really exciting. But on the side, I used to do loads of catering for people and make lots of birthday cakes. Yeah. And it started out just doing it for family. And then one thing led to another and loads of people were asking me and I was so busy, I messaged Christelle saying, listen, oh, wow. I keep getting offered yeah. loads of work. If I can't ever do it, do you want me to pass it your way? And she said, absolutely not. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't put anything my way. Never, I'm too I'm, busy. like, I'm, I'm, my hours are ridiculous and I cannot do it. So I said, oh, okay, no problem. And that's fine. And then I, then she was posting more pictures on Facebook doing private work. So I sort of said, nudged her again, because I'm like a dog with a bone, and said, <laughs> yeah. um, uh, you know, fancy doing a bit of catering together. And she said, you know what? Yeah, let, let's meet and have a chat. Yeah. So we started doing it on the side together just so we could manage our time better both working full time it was really difficult and then before we knew it we had a fully booked diary every weekend yeah. and we were both working two full time jobs and practically working seven days a week so it was our, yeah. our business partner relationship began yeah. and then along that, came Blondie's Kitchen along came Blondie's Kitchen yeah so and where did the concept of the milk and cookies come from did that originate from one of you or so our cookies had always sold really well at private events because they're yeah. really delicious. Um, and the idea sort of evolved after we'd both been on a trip to New York separately. Okay. Um, and we'd seen this sort of hole-in-the-wall concept yeah, idea. Yeah, it's quite American, isn't it? Really yeah. American. Of It's like fast food or sticking to one concept yeah. and doing it really well, but it's in a much more sophisticated way than we're seeing it in the UK. Yeah. So we loved the idea and we thought, why don't we just stick to one thing, do it really well and see how Definitely. well received yeah. it is. So along came the idea of we were literally sitting down having a coffee <laughs> one day. Aww. I remember it so clearly and we were like, why don't we do our cookies? Like they sell really well. Yeah. And then we were like, we can't just do cookies. Like what can we do with cookies? And it was almost like a no brainer, like milk and cookies. Yeah, like it goes hand in hand. Exactly. Yeah. So we were like, great, let's do it. Let's try it somewhere. So we found a location in Old Street Station yeah. just to have a little market And this stall. was like your first pop-up, wasn't it? Yeah, this yeah. was our first one at the end of last year. Yeah. And we were like, do you know what? Let's just gauge what people want. We took it more as a market research rather than let's start up this new business and make it a success. We yeah. sort of thought... If it's what people want and it's really well received, we'll roll with it. And if it's not, then at yeah. least we know. Yeah. So we went in and it was just crazy. We thought Madness. we thought we'd be selling a couple hundred cookies <laughs> a day at best, and we were selling no. nearly a thousand. Well, it went mad on Instagram. Like everyone was hashtagging it. Yeah. We got thousands of followers Ex and everything. And it just all sort of happened yeah. overnight. So we were so surprised and obviously delighted amazing yeah um, well there's not really one like that in London there's also, there's cookies and things but there's not the concept of milk and cookies so exactly having the pairings quite an exciting and things yeah. to bring to London I think a lot of people are always looking for something new yeah. and that was really important definitely Okay, so let's talk a bit more about the cookies themselves now. Do you have um, any tips or anything, best advice for our listeners at home as to how to get the perfect cookie, as in like consistency, making sure it's gooey and everything? I mean, obviously, I can't give away our recipe because it's no. a bit of a secret. <laughs> That's um, top secret. Although, but. to be fair, like I always say to people when they're like, you know, what's so great about your cookies? And I say, to be honest, that is no secret. We just use really good quality ingredients. Yeah. Uh, we use Billington's unrefined sugar. Yeah. We use Nielsen Massive and don't cut corners when it comes to your no, ingredients. No, exactly. Yeah. 
day. So it's all about using the, the best of the best and what's yeah. out there. Like we use really good quality chocolate. Um, in terms of skill-wise, when producing the best cookie, everything we do is made by hand. Yeah. Um, and we ball the dough ourselves. Every single ball has to be balled at the equal weight yeah. so that Measuring all the cookies are the same. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, like getting them in the oven, making sure they're spaced apart far enough apart so yeah. they don't start touching. I've had that problem before. Turning yeah. into one massive cookie. I know. <laughs> there could be worse things in life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I actually, when we were in Old Street, I baked a few on a tray. Yeah. And I think I was just so exhausted. They came out and they actually ended up looking like a penis. <laughs> oh, no. How they baked. And it was like two. Oh, my. It was actually the funniest. Special edition. Yeah, Limited. it was the funniest thing ever. Aww. I was like, what have I done here? Oh, nice. Um, but yeah, just things like that and always using greaseproof paper, making sure you yeah. line your trays properly. Um, but yeah, I'd say consistency-wise and when you're selling en masse, it's all about making sure every cookie is the same. Yeah. So That's the hardest thing, making sure like the volume and the measurement and the Yeah, and do you know all. what? We really struggle with that yeah. because we've never produced this amount of cookies a day. Um, and thankfully, my boyfriend is oh. heading up our kitchen at the moment because he's a chef, so... Thank God. He's teaching us. <laughs> he's teaching us about consistency yeah. and getting everything That's the same. Brilliant. Yeah, on hand as well. Exactly. And you're doing it at um, a bigger kitchen now because the the volume of cookies that you have to yeah. hunt out every day is just so yeah. big. So we've rented out a unit in Park Royal now. Yeah. Which is great, although, to be honest, there's still not enough oven space. Oh, no. And we can only get 50 in at a time, so... It's a push. Yeah. And when it comes to flavours, how do you decide on what goes well with the cookies as well as like the milk and everything? Well, I think my background obviously was recipe writing. Yeah. So, so you've got a lot of experience and knows what works well. And I love coming up with new ideas. Like that's the best part yeah, about our job, definitely. being creative. Yeah. Um, so we've just come up with the ideas and based on what we like yeah. really the cereal milk came about because i was like sorry cocoa pops are like the best thing ever everyone <laughs> gets true. To, everyone gets to the end of the bowl yeah. and wants more. more so why don't we just the nostalgia get to the end of the, the get nice. to the end of the bowl yeah. and let's bottle that part yeah. like why has no one even thought of that yet so good yeah. so we've now got a new addition of cereal milk oh, to yeah. the menu we do our frosty cereal milk nice so, that was always my favorite cereal yeah well we're in talks about doing a crunchy nut one as well. Oh, nice. Yeah, really so good. It's, yeah, it works really well, especially with the offering. And yeah, it's like you said, it's all about definitely. nostalgia and taking people back to those like memories, yeah. like the best memories. Yeah. So a lot of our cookie combinations come from that as well. Like nice. our Kinder, our Kinder yeah. Love You cookie is one of our best sellers. And it's not, just kid, it's not just kids buying no. them. No, like, well, Kinder, Kinder Bueno is my favourite chocolate bar exactly. as well. So, and lots of adults, so yeah. There's a lot of great elements to them. And so what's like your top selling, would you say? Definitely our Kinder yeah. and our Get Stuffed Cookie, which is our Oreo cookie dough oh, and the nice. center stuff with Nutella. So good. I think if you put anything on a menu with Oreo and Nutella in, it's just going to be a winning <laughs> People combo. People love it, don't People they? Just the love it. center. Yeah, nice. you can't beat it. And you guys do other catering and cakes on the side, don't you? Like the famous kind of drippy cakes I've seen on your Insta. And... Yeah, we've become really known for our drippy cakes, which yeah. is like great we never once you start doing one everyone asks for it and it's yeah. really on trend at the moment but it is yeah we don't like limiting ourselves to one thing so hopefully Definitely we've not. got more more styles all about the pipeline. a lot of those sweet treats oh yeah we're, we're really known for our baked goods definitely nice. so what's next for you and Christelle and the Blondie Girls um, we're going to be at Graduate Fashion Week straight from here. So Lovely. we're there from the 4th to the 7th of June, Yeah, um, which is really exciting. And then, to be honest, 
right now we're not sure. Just kind of taking every day as it comes. Yeah, so we're, busy. We're struggling. So obviously we're a startup, so we're taking baby steps and yeah. taking it project by project. No sleep, cookies in, cookies out all day, all day, all night. Yeah, sugar rush life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's Are what you we're sick living. Of cookies yet? To be honest, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> obviously, there's only so many you can eat. I so. eat them every day, <laughs> yeah. and then but then there are some days where I'm like. I just love these cookies yeah. and I can't stop eating them. But then there are other days I'm like, get these cookies out of my face. Nice. <laughs> well, the girls are here till May 28th down in Selfish's Food Hall. So make sure you come down and get your milk and cookies fixed. And yeah, make sure you catch the girls on, on their Instagram at Blondie's Kitchen and on their website. Thanks, Chelsea. And thanks, Christelle, who thanks. unfortunately obviously can't be here. But hopefully catch you again soon. Definitely. Thanks, thanks. for having us. Thanks, guys. Zoe's Garner Kitchen has been feeding Londoners the fiery, vibrant flavours of Ghana for a while now. I caught up with Zoe Jonya to find out about the new African food revolution and her brilliant new book. So I'm here today with Zoe Jonya, who has Zoe's Ghana Kitchen down in Brixton. Um, we have a fantastic feature in our latest issue, which is the May issue, and it's all um, recipes from Zoe's interpretation of Ghana that she cooks in her kitchen every day. Just wanted to first talk Zoe about um, about Zoe's Ghana Kitchen and how it how how it came to be. How did it? Yeah, how because did your it? background is <laughs> your, your background isn't in food. Like no, not at all. Um, I had a job actually, at, uh, one of the many jobs I had as a student was working in a cafe. This is my only catering experience. Okay. <laughs> and I, I wasn't allowed to even prep the sandwiches. I just had to take money at the till. So yeah, it's been a strange journey. So how did it start? Basically, I mean, obviously my connection with the food is through my father who's Ghanaian and he yeah. used to cook that food at home when I was a kid, um, largely for himself. Interestingly yep. enough, he didn't seem to want to share that food. So I had to bug him a lot to... Um, you know, to get to get to get info about what exactly what you, are you doing? What, what is yeah. that? What is that big smelly thing you've got there? <laughs> oh, it's Kenke. Cool. Can I have some? <laughs> um, so yeah, there was a lot of me poking and prodding to find out what things were, and then just watching him cook, and then learning yeah. to to use those ingredients myself. Um, so there's always been that interest in food, and I've always liked cooking for people. And one of my favourite dishes was uh, peanut butter stew, okay. which is based on the groundnut soup that is quite common all over West yeah. Africa, actually. And each country has its own slight interpretation on it. Um, but this was a dish I used to eat like three or four times a week. I mean, it's you should come and eat it. It's amazing. <laughs> it's like this really spicy... Well, not super spicy, but it has this like slow spicy build to it, and then like this sweetness from the peanut mm. butter, and then you have this lovely deep lamb. I think we've got it um, in the issue. I think we've actually got your lamb, lamb cutlets with peanut sauce. Oh, so I think go. it's probably got a similar yeah. flavour profile to, exactly. to that. Yeah, that's a version of that. Yeah. Um, and I used to cook it, like I say, three or four times a week. And then my friend Lisa used to come around for dinner. This is when I'm at school. Yeah, <laughs> and she loved it, so she was always at my house. Um, and it was a dish that I kept cooking for people, uh, you know, throughout my ad adulthood and yeah. so on. And they kept asking me to make it all the time. And it got a bit annoying, actually. I was like, no, come, I'm cooking something else now. <laughs> um, and then, sorry, I'm, that's way, way loads of backstory. Yeah. But so Garnet Kitchen itself was born one summer. So I went travelling around America for a few months. Okay. And came back uh, pretty skint having had a wonderful time. And um, the, the warehouse I moved into in Hackney Wick um, was a, basically, at the time in Hackney Wick, all of those were live-work units, so they were blank canvases. Okay. And so it was a white square box. And my girlfriend at the time was an artist, 
And she was using it as a gallery space because we didn't have any furniture. So it's like, oh, I'm going to turn this into a gallery because there's an open studios weekend. Yeah. So thousands of people were flooding into Hackney Wick yeah. for this open studios event called Hackney Wicked. And there wasn't anything anywhere for them to go because at the time, Hackney Wick hadn't been gentrified to an inch of its life. <laughs> um, so I saw an opportunity to maybe make a little bit of money. So I thought, I oh, know, I'll cook a big pot of peanut butter stew, fry some plantain. Um, I had this little tiny baby belly, you know, those two top yeah, yeah, you, stoves. <laughs> and I put that on a wallpaper table, yeah. literally outside my front door. And my friend Ruth painted a sign that said Zoe's peanut butter stew. Yeah. Put it on the gate. And because of that smell, it drew lots of people I'm in. surprised. Wow. And, uh, so you literally just did one dish, just one massive pot. Man, one massive Fantastic. pot. Fantastic. Um, but I had to do one massive pot a couple of times a day because it was yeah, so busy. selling out. And it created this lovely kind of social situation, people drinking and eating. And mm. everyone was like, oh, you should do this again. You should do this again. So this was in 2010. And I was thinking, yeah, it's been fun, but I probably won't do it again. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Quite hard work, I imagine, as but, well. Uh, the following summer, that same weekend for yeah. the Hackney Wicked Festival, we were like, do you know what would be quite fun actually is to do it again? Yeah. But a year, this is a year on. Um, but we'll turn the flat into a restaurant instead of a gallery. <laughs> so we made loads of tables and chairs and borrowed stuff and I went to the secondhand shops and all that. Anyway, and then I called it Zoe's Garner Kitchen and I made a flyer that said the tastiest... Uh, what was it? The tastiest taste from Africa. Five stars. <laughs> and... Um, you know, we booked out, we were completely sold out for three or four days wow. and people thought they were in a restaurant um, and we were trying to book for the like, following weeks. So I started oh, to collect email addresses crazy, yeah. and um, I expanded the menu a little bit yeah. with Ken Kane fish and some of the dishes that are in the cookbook, actually the more traditional stuff. Yeah. And then people were just kept contacting me, when can we come to this supper club? And I was like, oh, is it a supper club? Okay. <laughs> and then every few months... So it was I like did... an accidental supper club. Yeah, it was, <laughs> and it just kind of grew very, very organically. And before I knew it, it turned into a business. And yeah. it funded me through my MA at Goldsmiths, basically. Oh God, I stopped that's... working and I was yeah. just like, okay, once a month I'll do a supper club. And yeah. that's cool, I can write and cook. And... <laughs> and so that's how it started. I mean, it started as like a fun idea and then mm. it developed into... You know, once I realised it was a business, I then had to think about, well, what am I, why is this so popular? Yeah. What is it, what about this experience are people enjoying? And then I had to kind of make a framework around what I wanted to do with it. Yeah. And I realised, yeah, people haven't had access to this food before. Because it's quite, I mean, it, it, I think you say in the book that um, African cooking, it's out there, there are places you can go and eat it, but but it's, it, it's almost like communities embrace it so wholeheartedly that they don't need to kind of push it out into the exactly. wider world because exactly. they... It, you know they're kind of not selfishly but they want to they're kind of keeping it for themselves you yeah. know so so there isn't even yeah. I don't think even until recently I don't yeah. think it's occurred to people that anybody outside of the community would, might would, want yeah. to try it you know so I mean my, my own experience of going into a couple of times with my dad when I was a kid going into like African restaurants yeah and they're quite intimidating you know th these particular examples could yeah. be quite intimidating spaces you know they're very loud and, yeah you know you've got loads <laughs> of African men shouting at each other <laughs> Because, you know, that's like how we yeah. speak to each other very loudly <laughs> yeah. and flamboyantly and, you know, there's massive bowls of foo-foo and it's not presented yeah. necessarily very beautifully no, and it's... people are eating with their hands and there's foo-foo flicking everywhere. And, <laughs> you know, it's be I mean, it's amazing. And every but everyone's really digging in and enjoying it and embracing yeah, and it's, it. And, it's a very yeah. earthy experience, but, you know, I can imagine that somebody not from that community walking into that space would be like, oh, find a bit. I'm not sure what's going yeah. on here, I'm a bit scared. <laughs> um, so yeah, I just kind of decided to 
if people are loving it, why not share this with more and more people? Yeah. And I was like, okay, how do we, how do I reimagine some of this stuff so that people make it a bit more accessible as well? Exactly Just accessible. you know, like an entry point for someone who who might find some of the things a little bit strange or you know they haven't tried them before. Just to give them that in. Exactly, yeah. it's yeah. like opening a door. Yeah. And here's an introduction to Ghanaian food. And by the way here's an introduction to Ghanaian culture as well on yeah. the side you know with like the playlists and stuff and, yeah um the flyers I used to make for events there's always referencing African artists yeah. and kente and you know yeah stuff like that and I've just found it for me personally the whole journey with food has been such a amazing journey because it has taken me back to Ghana and it's taken me back yeah, to yeah tell us about when you went back because there's, a, there's a bit in the book which made me laugh so much about where you're hiding in your bed at 6 30 in the oh morning try not to make a noise because you know that your grandma will come up and feed you <laughs> as soon as she is you're moving around there'll be a plate of food in front of you even before you haven't opened your eyes exactly I mean I used to I was like I can I still have a very strong recollection of this just lying in bed super still and the fan above me moving and I'm like I hope it's not, because it's on a timer or something. I'm like, please don't wake up, Grandma. Please don't wake up, Grandma. (laughs) Um, I mean, it's amazing that, you know, the hospitality in Ghana was fantastic. I mean, not just in my family, but everywhere I went to. And they are very hospitable people, like yeah. the Irish, you know. It's just, and part of that is feeding people. And you've got, and I, is, is it your mother's Irish or your, your yeah. mum's family's Irish? So you've got Irish. you've got both sides of that. I come from that. two massive feeders, yeah. <laughs> so, um, and that was interesting to make that comparison as yeah. well. There was a lot of similarities actually between my Irish family and the Ghanaian yeah. family. Um, but no, yeah, so I couldn't move for, for being fed. And, you know, <laughs> they looked at me, I'm, you know, pretty skinny and tall and, you know, wiry individual and they couldn't understand why <laughs> their mission was basically they wanted to, to, fatten, you to up. fatten me up my grandma actually said she said what's happened to your bottom <laughs> oh. said, you used to have a chubby bottom um, when was the last time she'd seen you when a you toddler yeah oh bless her <laughs> and she's like what have you got actually technically she had come over for a visit in between yeah but um and what yeah. did you find because i'm quite fascinated so you went back to ghana to, to kind of because um, I think you said in the book you hadn't, you, you'd never been there. I mean, obviously you'd been there when you were you were a toddler. Yeah. You went back to, to find out the roots of the cooking and to try and get into kitchens and try yeah. and learn how to cook get the food in the traditional Ghanaian way so you could take some... What, what, did, you, what yeah. did you learn? I mean, what did I you mean, bring back with you? God, I learned so much. Yeah. You know, it was really like, I mean, obviously in my grandma's house, I had my aunt, I had my grandma, my aunt Evelyn and Mercy. So three different women. Um, who incidentally each have their own ways of cooking yeah, things and insist. <laughs> Do they argue about it? Yeah. Well, you know, like, and because they're they're from slightly different tribes as well. So my grandma's <laughs> Fanti and Mercy's Ashanti and Evelyn's Ewe. Okay. So they all have little their own little versions of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But each one well, is the right one. It's the right, the right one, yeah, yeah, of course. So I took, for, for starters, that was great relief for me yeah. to be like, oh, so there is room for interpretation. It can be your way, yeah, yeah, it's your you know? interpretation. Um, and I spoke a little bit with Ruby Tando about that worrying about um you know that horrible word authenticity authenticity yeah which is it's it's so kind of clumsy and unuseful actually you know because how do you what's the barometer of because cooking's one of the few things that has it starts at one point and then down through generations it it, it ends up at a completely different point and that's the beauty of it no one says it's right or wrong yeah i mean you know yeah um so, yeah, so it kind of removed that question for me over whether I was entitled to yeah. interpret stuff. And yeah. the other great thing I learned was like going to the markets, like Kineshi Market, um, for example. I was, 
blown away by how much how much fresh produce there was yeah. you know? and so much of it's similar to what we use in Europe so yeah. things like finding fresh thyme and uh, nut, the nutmegs and fresh ginger and lots lots of herbs and spices that weren't just Ghanaian specific yeah that people were was ready available which meant that then again, I was like, oh, okay, so it's okay to use thyme in this recipe and it's yeah. okay to... Do you know what I mean? So, so, it gave so you me were finding fam- like familiar ingredients and you were surprised at, yeah, yeah the so crossover. I was um, and then also just the amount of fish that was eaten, like fresh fish going down to Jamestown and watching the boats come in and all of the haggling and stuff. So I guess in my head, because when my dad was cooking when I was a kid, he used a lot of tinned stuff, you know, like yeah. tinned sardines and tinned tomatoes and lots of tin things so I didn't know what to expect in terms of yeah. what, how the ingredients would be there and stuff so but it was so much fresh stuff yeah so much green you know the taro leaves and stuff maybe it's like just that. availability at the time for your dad because I've, I've heard that with a lot of I mean I, I know my, my grandma cooks a lot out of tin and stuff as well and yeah. maybe it's just the times or, and also yeah. he's a guy he's probably a bit, yeah, a bit maybe lazier a bit with of, the cooking yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Yeah. Um, I take that back. I'm a feminist, but I'm not a man hater. You're all great. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, so the things I took away were yeah. that, that things are interpreted differently in different yeah. homes, and not everything has to have be hot for it to be Ghanaian food. Because yeah. my aunt um, Evelyn, for example, was really proud to, to show me how to cook shito. And I was like, amazing. Um, That's had a amazing shito, hot sorry. paste, shito, isn't it? It's like, yeah, it's a hot pepper sauce made with smoked uh, bought, crayfish I, and prawn, I, prawns. For your recipe, for a recipe testing, I bought some. We, I live in near Stroud Green, and there's lots of African grocers down there. So I, I was going in, I was like, oh, I've got down. They've got shito and they've got gary and they've got. You know, I was really chuffed with myself. It's exciting. Could, yeah, it's so exciting. Yeah. I went with this massive list, and he's like, Oh yeah, yeah, over here. You know, taking me around. <laughs> but shito is incredible, isn't it's it? So tasty, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, but what was funny is, so she was making this and she, and she didn't realise, the other thing was she didn't realise that I, I, I have a business. Yeah, and food. you wanted to know. And I, and I didn't <laughs> tell them that when I got there originally because yeah. I didn't want any weird pressure and stuff. So she was very proudly like demonstrating and then you put yeah. this, the paposito and then, and then you add the crayfish and, and I was like, okay. Mm. And then she added her chilli and I was like, oh, is that all you're going to put in? And then she was like, eh. <laughs> so, okay sorry anyway and then she when I tasted it I mean it was delicious yeah. but it was so mild yeah. and I was like oh my god was she yeah. milding it down for you do you think no, she no. Thought, but she thought it was really hot oh, she was like it's okay. hot. she was expecting me, my, my head to be blown yeah, off and you were, you were like, I was I'm, like I'm this a pro doesn't touch my shito <laughs> my shito is hot yeah. proper hot um, because that's how I grew up eating it yeah. my dad bought the you know, jars of it, and it was always the really super fiery, hot, yeah. hot version. Um, so that was funny as well. You know, me pretending to be like, "Oh my god, that's so hot." Um, so the, yeah, so things. Let me summarize all that babble I've just said. So <laughs> the um, that thing about people assuming that all food, all Ghanaian food, is really spicy and hot yeah. because it's not. There's lots of tempered spices and flavors mm-hmm. in there, and lot and, and a lot of time. Spice should be used, and I talk about that in the book as well. It's like a seasoning; it's yeah, to yeah, your palate. It doesn't have to be super hot. Yeah, it doesn't hot. have to kill that everything isn't else. What makes the dish. Yeah. It's the it's the flavour profiles involved. Um, so that was good to know. And then all, that that license to use some other ingredients such as thyme and garlic and things mm. like that. Um, and that yeah, things being open to slight interpretation is fine because it 
from household to household a recipe yeah. changes basically because most of those recipes have been passed down orally you know yeah and then in regional as well as you said and people from region. three different regions all cook in the same dish but slightly differently yeah. so you know you can do your little and what um like as as an entry point for people who not tasted Ghanaian food what what would you say are like the major players in flavor profiles you know what sort of things appear again and again yeah I mean I talk about this a little bit as well it's you know like um the Italians have sofrito right yeah and the French have what um, they call it it's, it's, uh, mirepoix ah mirepoix that's yeah. the one um, <laughs> so every country has its own name for yeah. a little combination of mm. things and I find that the three most common ingredients to every dish are Onion, yeah. ginger, scotch bonnet, actually four, and tomatoes. Okay. Fresh tomatoes. They are as a base. All, they're, they're like a base. Yeah. And I mean, I've decided to call that chale sauce for my own quirky yeah. reasons, but because there isn't a name for that. Oh, that the, I'm aware so of. that yeah, that was your because I I've come across that before. I, chale um, sauce. Um, not the, the when you when I read the recipe, not chale, not the name chale, but um. Our kitchen manager, Gloria, was from Ghana and she used to make this rice and the base of it was exactly as you've described and she used to whiz it in a, a food processor and then pour it in with loads of oil and tupan and then pour rice in and cook it until the bottom went crusty. Yeah. But then, so when I saw your book, I was like, that's glorious. <laughs> but <laughs> well, see, yeah. so lots of people and use those that. flavours, yeah, so now and I've And I've got... just called it chale sauce yeah, because yeah. chale is like a word in Ghana for like... Yeah. You know, friend or oh, it's really, cool. Oh, here, chale, yeah, yeah. chale, or you. You know, also if you do something wrong, someone will be like, "Oh, chale." <laughs> but I love because that. so that's your kind of that's your friendly base sauce that you're going to use. It's to like start a passata off. or yeah, something, yeah, yeah. you know. And love you can it. just use it in so many dishes, yeah. um, and it's so simple, right? Yeah. And it's so easy to make. Um, and then you kind of build on that. For, yeah. Depending on what you're making, you might be if it's you know might be adding palm nut if it's palm nut soup or. Mm you know, whatever it is, or a goosey and spinach. Mm. And that's, in fact, that is, that spinach and a goosey right there. It's so simple. Yeah, <laughs> just, just ground melons together. and spinach. Um, What's the, so, yeah. What are the most popular dishes at your at your place now? I mean, what, what do um, people... At Brixton? Yeah. Um, gosh. Well, the lamb cutlets with the, yeah. the peanut sauce, very popular. Yeah, recipe in all of magazine. <laughs> <laughs> um, the jollof fried chicken yeah, flies that. out. People love fried chicken. Yeah. Um, Red, red, like vegans love the bean stew. Um, any of the plantain dishes, so the plantain chips, the keluele, the grilled plantain, tatale. I mean, I le- plantain I, is just amazing. I, I learned that from reading your book. I didn't realize that the three stages of the plantain and that you use them in different recipes in different ways. Yeah. You know, so the really green, then the ripe, then the absolutely black is. Yeah. And then, well, I mean, there's more than three stages, oh, really. That, I mean, but, there's three kind of color yeah. types, but I mean, yeah, it basically goes from very, very starchy yeah. when it falls from the tree, excuse me, to and um, that starch kind of just transforms into sucrose over yeah. the course of it's about six, very, very seven sugary, weeks. Yeah. And um, it gets super, super sweet. And yeah. it's by the time it's at, and this is my favourite bit, when <laughs> you're going to the grocers, I used to love it. You go to the grocers and there's a box of black plantain and nobody yeah. wants it. I can <laughs> buy a box for a pound. I'm like, amazing. <laughs> what do you do with that black? Plantain and what was tatale? Oh, okay, that's cool. perfect for right. tatale. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, like, when I've been teaching um, chefs like recipes in the kitchen or something, um, and they and I'll be like, you know, you get black plantain, and they're like, what? what is Surely that needs to go <laughs> in the bin. Off? Yeah. <laughs> no, babes. <laughs> this is perfect for tatale. Um, I think that's so, yeah. what's nice about the book as well. Um, is 
there's there's a lot of information like we included a little glossary at the back of the um at the back of our feature in the magazine because we wanted people to have the the knowledge to go and buy because the first time I have to confess the first time I went to buy yam I came back with sweet potatoes oh, because really? because they, they put the sign in the wrong place but they were huge sweet potatoes I mean yeah, they, they, they were bigger be. than anything I've ever seen they can be beasts yeah so I I got I got them in and then I was looking through your thing and I was like that's that's not a yam that so I went back to talk to the guy and he was like no 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 that's not a yam that's a yam it doesn't help that the Americans call sweet potatoes yams yams as well. exactly I think in my head I was thinking and then um, yeah and there's there's a great bit did where you get puna yam though when you went back because I did because one. it said well it said Ghana yam is yeah. that that's puna yam right? well there's a couple of different there's like oh. but puna is the the king of yams okay. Um, it should be it labelled. Looked, it looked yams. pretty good, but there was I, I was I wasn't going to do what you suggested in your book, which was go in, tell them to cut it in half, pick it up, have a. No, you have, have to do that, babe. That's your honour. <laughs> or at very least, you know, cut the ends so you yeah. can see the ends. Yeah. But I would also get them to cut it in the middle. Would you? They they expect that. Do I mean, they? they know that yams because yams have a very very long life, and you think about it. They're coming over on a boat. Da, 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 da. Yeah, they're pre- it's a pretty it's hardy vegetable, shop. isn't very, it? Very hardy. Yeah. But you don't want to buy a bad yam. How disappointing yeah, would it be? You to, yeah. You know, two yams for a five year. You think it's a bargain, then you go home and yeah. then it's like, oh my God, <laughs> it's, it's black inside. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, always get them to cut off at least the tips mm. and they will expect yeah. it. It's like, yeah, I mean, I think it's normal. That's what's so lovely about the book is there is so much. Adv- it, it's not just the recipes, it's the advice about going out and looking for ingredients, what to look for, how to pick them, um, and then, you know, how to use them. And that, I think you get this whole massive education in oh, the government. No, it's great. Um, I really wanted that, you know, because I didn't want people to be intimidated that's, by anything. Yeah, it gives it's you that like, entry into it. You yeah. know, you feel like you've, you've like learned something, like I did about my yams. <laughs> <laughs> um, tell us what, what you're doing at the minute because I think you've, you've also got a, a residency in Soho at the minute is that right? Yeah super excited about that actually so we've, we're at the Sun and 13 Cantons in Soho mm-hmm. on just off Beak Street and Great Portney Street and it's really lovely to be like, in the middle of London yeah. and having a whole new audience to bring the food to yeah. and it's going down like really really well which is great so we're there when are we open? six days a week lunch wow. and dinner yeah um, and obviously we're doing, well not obviously, but we've got lots of events planned for London Food Month. Oh yeah, you're well. taking part in London Food Month. Yeah, so we're doing the night market. Right. Or I'm doing a special supper club at the Sun and 13 Cantons on the 5th of June. And we're also doing special lunch promos at, at the Soho site and we're doing brunch promos in Brixton so there's a lot going on there so where can people find out about you know if they just wanted is is there a website or should they follow you on Instagram or Um, yes there is a website zoesgarnerkitchen.co.uk but the the fastest way to get any info is through our Twitter and Insta it's at Garner Kitchen for both of those yeah so go follow that Um, and if you want to um see more of the recipes as I said there's a, there's a small selection in our mate issue um, but Zoe's Corner Kitchen the book is out right now is that right? It's out right now available right now. by all good bookstores <laughs> and online and it's an absolutely be- beautiful book and I would urge anyone to go out and buy it but um, thank you so much for coming to talk oh, to us today Zoe. Absolute it's pleasure it's been thank you very much thank you very much Thank you for listening to the Olive Magazine podcast. If you like this episode, please don't forget to go review and rate us on iTunes. For more information on things in this episode, head to our website, olivemagazine.com. You can pick up a copy of our packed May issue now from newsagents or download the app version. Bye for now, and we'll be back next week with even more food and drink chat.